to the Weave Podcast. I'm Sarah Resnick, owner of the online weaving yarn shop, Gist Yarn and Fiber, and host of this podcast, Weave. I launched this podcast with three episodes last week, and I've been so excited and grateful for the response. So far, we've had almost 5,000 downloads from weavers all over the world, and many of you have reached out to me to share that you're excited to be hearing these stories and to feel more connected to other weavers. And that's really exactly what my goal is, and so it's been so satisfying for me to hear. Thank you for the encouragement and for listening, and without further ado, let's kick off episode four. Today, I'm so pleased to welcome the mother-daughter team behind Mirix Looms, Claudia Chase and Elena Zuyak. Claudia founded Mirix Looms in 1996 when she wanted a portable loom that she could take to weave with at her children's sports games. And 22 years later, Mirix Looms are a beloved company and loom used by tapestry weavers and bead weavers all over the U.S. and around the world. So today I'm really excited to be chatting with Claudia and her daughter Elena about how their company has developed, what it's like to run a family business together, their tips for people who want to dive into tapestry or bead weaving for the first time, and lots more. Welcome Elena and Claudia, how are you? Oh, we're doing well. Doing great. Thank you for having us on. So excited to be talking to you. I would love to start out by asking you to tell me about the origin story of your company. When did you start making looms and why? It was in 1996, as you said, which is what, 21 years ago? Oh my gosh. And um, I wanted a portable tapestry loom that was that worked. You know, I wanted it to have a shedding device and I wanted it to have great tension. And that did not exist at the time. So I got together with a friend of mine who literally designed it with me in his garage using fire truck parts because he worked for a fire truck manufacturing company. And we came up with the Mirix prototype, which is surprisingly similar to the loom we have today. Um, we started the company in Wisconsin with this friend of ours, but I knew at the time that we were going to move back to New England. So when we first decided to um, introduce it to the world was at the convergence that was happening that year. But I wasn't going to be around for it. I was going to be driving to the East Coast with my family. And so I called up a store that I knew was going to be there and I said, look, I'll send you 20 looms. They're 16 inches wide. I will pay postage there and back when they don't sell. But could you please have them at your booth? And they said, sure. I'm like, oh, wow, that is really awesome. So. Uh, we drove back to New Hampshire. I got to, we got to our new home. I plugged in the phone. We had already gotten an 800 number and it rang. And it was someone at Convergence who she wanted to buy a loom. And I said, we'll get it there. And she said, I can't, they're all out. It was day three and I knew Mirix was gonna work. That's so exciting. And what was it about um, tapestry weaving and about a tapestry loom that made you wanna create that first loom? Well, I had gone to school to be a writer, and that's fine until you start having children, and it's hard to get uh, interrupted. And I picked up tapestry when I was pregnant with Elena. I took a class, and I went to it twice because they were dying in that class, and I instinctively knew it's not good to die when you're pregnant, but I got the bug, and I just fell in love with it. I just couldn't shake it, and I wanted to do it all the time and everywhere I went. So she was a professional tapestry weaver when I was a kid and when she started Mirix. Um, you know, that was, that was her profession. And now less so because now she 
spends all her time running this company. <laughs> yeah, what do they say about buying sailboat company? If you like sailboats, don't. But no, I love it though. I love writing this company and I love tapestry. So it's okay that I don't get to do it all the time anymore. That's great. And Elena, when did you learn how to weave? So, you know, I always joke that I learned to weave by osmosis um, because I was I was never really interested as a kid. You know, like my mom used to come into my elementary school and, and teach kids how to weave. And, you know, I knew all the basics. Um, I guess I knew more than all the basics. You know, you just sort of when you're around fiber, when you're around looms, when you're around people talking about it, you just sort of learn things without realizing you're learning it, even if you don't want to. Um, so I really never had any interest in weaving or tapestry or art <laughs> until I was probably in my 20s. Um, and then, I mean, the way I started working for Merix, um, I had done a lot of traveling um, after college. And then I got this terrible job in sales. And I was talking to this fellow salesperson, and I was talking about my mom. And, and my mom and I have always been super, super close. And I was so proud of her for starting this successful company. Um, Let and, me interrupt. You had also been working on the website for many years up until that point. Yeah, I'd helped with like the website and little things. But it had never occurred to me to... Um, to be a part of the business because that seemed like, you know, I want to go to college and go out and do things on my own. But anyway, I was, I was talking to this sales guy and I was bragging about my mom and this company and how interesting it was. And he looked at me and he was like, so why aren't you working with her? And that was the first time that I, that it occurred to me like, Hey, why am I not? Um, and so I talked to my mom about it, and she was like, oh, my God, I've been waiting for you to say this your whole life. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. And so I, you know, started very slowly part-time. I think I was making, like, $500 a month. Yeah, you were. Thank goodness <laughs> you were doing an internship for Grist at the time. When I, when I first started, um, you know, just kind of part-time doing some marketing stuff and, and I guess kind of trying to bring a younger I to what she was doing, um, especially at the time, tapestry weaving was um, a much, you know, an, an older art form, an older craft, or craft um, you know, not a lot of young people were doing it. Um, now that's not the case so much anymore. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of a different perspective and I you know, knew a lot more about websites and social media and stuff like that. Um, so it turned out it was a pretty awesome partnership. And then Elena went to graduate school and became the marketer extraordinaire. So it all worked out really well. That's great. Yeah, I read a really sweet tribute, uh, Elena, that you wrote on your blog about what it means to you to work with your mother. And it sounds like such a neat family business. What is it like to work together and who else is on your team? Um, you know, we, sometimes I feel like people don't believe us when we're like, it really is wonderful to work together because I don't know, you know, you, you don't expect necessarily a mother daughter team to like work so seamlessly, but like we, we, manage to run this company like we each have the things that we do and we trust each other 
so much to do those things that there just don't seem to be any conflicts. Like it, it just works out really well. Like we really are as happy as we say we are. And I think, I think we knew, we knew that it would, we would work well together um, before we started working together because when I guess the summer after my freshman year of college, I came home and I convinced my mom to run for state rep in New Hampshire, where we lived at the time, or where she still lives. Um, and so we ran this state rep campaign together, and she won. Um, and our, our color was magenta? Yeah, it was like, it was, the, it. It was it. the girliest, like, we had no idea what we were doing. Like, we, we rode our horses to, like, register her as a candidate downtown. Like, it was ridiculous. Um, we, had, we, we used up, you know, fabric paint on T-shirts, and we made our own holographic um, bumper stickers. Yeah, it like, was crazy. there was no way she was going to win, and then she won in a recount by three votes. Wow. Um, and she was fantastic. Um, but you know, I think that taught us that we work really well together. Yeah, that's that's great. I see that you guys manufacture entirely in the U.S. at a place called Sunshine House, and I'm wondering if you could tell me more about that manufacturing process. So that happened, um, my first partner wanted um, me to buy him out, and I got a new partner, and the new partner moved it to Sunshine House, where he had had a relationship with them for many years, and he was on the board. And he set it up there, and it was completely magical, because Sunshine House employs people with mental and physical disabilities. And I just thought that was amazing. That's what I wanted to do. Um, so even though I eventually bought him out, we stayed at Sunshine House, and that is where we are today. Uh, there's an amazing woman named Sandy who runs everything, and we couldn't do it without her. So that's good. And I don't know, do you want to say more about that one? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I realized that we forgot to answer part of the, part of the last question, which is, you know, who else? Uh, works with us right. as far as the the kind of uh, business end. It's just us as of now. Um, I think that's going to change in the we're hoping near after getting heavy <laughs> and they're pulling up all the time. <laughs> um, but we we work remotely. So Claudia is in New Hampshire. I'm in Seattle, um, and Sunshine House is in Wisconsin, where the business originally started. Um, and so we have our kind of two managerial people there and then all the people um, that work on actually making the looms. So Sunshine House is it's a, a wonderful place. It, you know, we, we care a lot about our values and making our looms in a place that, that is so good and that's helping people and, you know, and fair wages. And, you know, we just, we really care that that we're not buying things from China and having them yeah. imported. And we, we, we assemble and make everything there, but we also try to source material that is in, you know, aluminum that's made in America, copper that's made in America. We try really hard. I'm sure we don't always get it right. I'm sure we've bought a little part here and there that wasn't made in America, but we try our best. Oh, and that's another thing. Also, Claudia's brother, who lives in Seattle also, um, makes some of the parts on the loom himself. He makes uh, the wooden clips. Uh, he actually, he invented a machine called Clippy that- It's that a robot, makes, it's a robot. It's, it's a clip making robot. 
Um, and he also makes the Spencer Power Treadle. His name is Spencer. Um, so that's another. We're all in the family. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. And it sounds like you have many faceted skills as a state rep and a horseback rider and a tapestry weaver. And how did you also learn how to source materials the way you wanted to and manage manufacturing partnerships? And what was that learning process like? Kicking and screaming, kicking and screaming <laughs> the entire way. Uh, for a long time, Sunshine House was taking care of that. But then the person who was doing that left and been a lot of, there are a lot of changes. So actually, I do do all that now. And um, it's hard. It's hard sometimes being a female in a very male world with metal and stuff. And I've gotten beaten up a few times. <laughs> I haven't liked it. Uh, but you survive and you move on and you find the people you trust. But that, that's been the hard part for me. I had no instru operating instructions. I had never done anything like it before. Uh, I look back on the skills I've learned with this business and I'm pretty shocked because it was a lot to learn. There, there are a lot of, you know, it's interesting working with buying metals because we have problems like, you know, most people who buy copper, for example, they don't care about how the copper looks. They don't care about the internal and external diameter of the copper. You know, they're using it for copper pipes where that kind of stuff doesn't matter so much. Um, but for us, that kind of stuff does matter. So you will, you know, we had aluminum. Oh, I'm going to tell a story because okay. it broke my heart. We had um, aluminum delivered and it was right before Cyber Monday and it was all bad. We're talking three tons of bad aluminum. They like, put, like aesthetically. Yeah, they had, they had poured acid on it accidentally and had these little divots and black marks on every single piece and I had to ship it back and say, I need it now. We're, we're out. We're out. So that was, that was this Christmas that was terrible and they, they kind of... Um, didn't didn't do us a good turn on that, and we were scared to death that our Christmas looms would not get out, or Hanukkah looms, or whatever they are. <laughs> but did they get out in time? They in the did. End? They did. Congratulations. We have never. Thank you, Sandy. We have never not gotten a loom under a Hanukkah bush or a Christmas tree in time. Not once. We have made it every year. And we, you know, gripping our. Yeah, it's hard. It's white knuckle time, but. Yeah, that's when she said thank you, Sandy. Sandy is our is our <laughs> right hand <laughs> woman at Marion Manufacturing. The reason they always get out. Yeah. yeah, that's great. That's impressive. So many years in business, always making those long weekends. Though. Yeah, long weekends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're we're happy it's January. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. So, do you sell a lot of looms around the holiday season, especially? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. year was an increase over last year, too. It was it was a little scary. I mean, it was good scary, but yes. Uh, and we're growing. Uh, weaving is growing. Uh, weaving is, it's amazing to me that a lot of people haven't caught on how much weaving is growing, but it, it is. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I get inquiries almost every day from people who are brand new to weaving and wanting to learn how, so it's an exciting time. I think it is. I've been waiting for this for 21 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where do you think the new resurgence in interest in weaving is coming from? A lot of people more in Laney's demographic are, are, are discovering it, and it's exciting for them. And, and you know, we're the go-to loom in that market, so it's, it's great. But they're just discovering this wonderful thing called weaving. You know, things cycle. You do knitting, crocheting, quilting. Now, finally, weaving's getting its moment. Well, I'm very it's, excited. It's, it's, it's really interesting because... A lot of the the weaving and kind of basic frame looms and stuff um, that has become so popular um, is 
is tapestry. You know, it's weft face weaving. It's it's tapestry, but it's not necessarily following all the strict rules of tapestry. And tapestry is kind of it's fascinating because it is this very strict art form at its core. And it's hard. And it's hard. And it is tapestry yeah, hard. It's it's hard. There are a lot of very complex techniques. Um, and this kind of new wave of of tapestry-esque weft-faced weaving and tapestry weaving um, comes from a lot of people who are saying, you know what, I want to do this, but maybe I'll break the rules a little bit. You know, maybe I'm going to try using different materials. I'm going to I'm going to play around with with not not being so strict. And I think that's opened up the door to a lot more people feeling like tapestry is an accessible medium. Um, and so I, I really think that is kind of the reason why this type of wet face weaving has become more popular. I think it's because people are are feeling like it's something that they can do. And I, I have another, uh, when I started learning tapestry, the, the internet did not exist. And getting information about tapestry was really hard. There were very few books. Uh, the, the American Tapestry Alliance existed, and you know, that was probably one of the few resources. So it was very different. Now someone gets excited about tapestry and they post it on Instagram and someone else sees it. And it just, I think that's one of the reasons too. Yeah, social, no, Instagram, social media has been. Because it's pictorial and tap, you know, that's it's a great way to spread the word, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And online communities also really help people connect with each other and, and learn. And I know you have a really active Facebook group of Mirex Loom weavers who are sharing their projects. And I'm curious if you can share some of your favorite things that your customers have been making recently on your looms. So I could go on for like four hours about this. Um, the, the best part of my job is people sharing their successes with us. Um, you know, I love when people come up with new ways to use our looms um, or just fun projects or, you know, or even just seeing somebody who, um, you know, has not been, we had somebody, we have a blog post on our blog um, from a few days ago um, from a woman who, you know, felt like she was always an artist, but she was never really good at painting or drawing. And she found tapestry and that was her thing. That was her art. And, and she was able to be successful and be an artist like through this medium. Um, so I just, I love, I love seeing people's work. I love hearing their stories. Um, a couple fun things. Um, one is there's this organization, this nonprofit that's based in France called Art Across Frontiers. Um, and they bought a 22 inch loom and they named it Lumi. And they started this project um, where they brought the loom to all sorts of different places, to the Himalayas, to France, to Morocco, um, um, and different cultures, different groups of people, and had them weave these rugs on this loom. And they documented the whole thing. Um, and it was about collaboration um, and kind of you know, weaving together cultures and that, that weaving is this thing that a lot of cultures have in common. Um, but it's an amazing, it's an amazing project. Um, and they used Americ Loom for it, which was really cool for us. Um, it was amazing to see these pictures of these people weaving these gorgeous, I mean, just absolutely gorgeous rugs. 
Um, so that's a, that's a fun project that always sticks out in my mind. Um, another, there's a there's a guy. This is you know this is one of the things I I like is when you know I think I, I think I said this before, but when we have customers who are just using like crazy materials that you never thought you would weave with. Um, uh, like there's an artist, Anthony Locaine out of New York, who um, I think he was like, he was a digital artist at first and he, he prints out either on paper or metal, this like digital art and then weaves it on a Merrick's loom on like wire or fishing line, um, fishing line and makes these absolutely amazing pieces. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There are just so many people who well, have. I'll, I'll talk about one, and you, then you probably remember the other five million you were talking <laughs> about. Um, this was really awesome. The Met um, it apparently was using Amirik's loom to restore their um, their tapestries from Christ is Born as Man's Redeemer series, and so they would take the warp, they would take the tapestry down from the wall. They would drape the warp over a Murex loom and somehow connect it, and then they would, you know, they would fix it on a Murex loom. So there was a, a video done of that. I thought that was really exciting. We found that out from a customer. But recently, I've been having a blast with a man who's um, almost blind. He called me up, asked me if I thought he could weave on a Murex loom, and I said, sure you can. You're not our first blind customer. Um, he had been weaving for 50 years material, and he said, I'm tired of watching TV or listening to TV. So we've been working with him on having on how to use the loom, and that has been fascinating for me because I have him send me photographs, and I look at the photograph, and then I figure out a way to tell him to use his fingers to fix the problem, and we have been successful thus far. Wow, that's so incredible. Yeah, it's nice. It's really fun. The guy is wonderful, too. <laughs> That's really neat. It's neat to hear about such a wide diversity of materials and kinds of things that people are working on with your looms. So what are what are on your own looms right now? And what are you most excited about experimenting with personally in 2018, each of you? Um. Okay. So I think my... I decided at the beginning of the year that my goal for 2018 is to go big. Um, I have a tendency to get scared of, of large projects and pieces because I know it's going to take a really long time um, and I am incredibly impatient. Um, so, so I want to work on some really big pieces. Um, I want to work using our electric treadle. Um, I've kind of just started playing with pieces with that. Um, what else? Uh, we have... Weave along. You're going to be doing the next weave along. Yeah, we have... Well, it's not hasn't been announced yet. We have a fun weave along, tapestry weave along um, that will be announced soon that is going to be um, uh, with cotton instead mm. of wool. And that's all I can say about that until it's announced. <laughs> Where can people find out about it and when? Um, I'm not sure exactly when we'll announce it. We're still waiting for some yarn samples. But um, soon, I mean, I'd say by February, um, it will be announced, or sometime in February. Um, but anytime anybody needs to know anything about us, they can um, either go to our website, where we have a blog, where we pretty much announce anything big. Um, and then we have our Instagram page, 
um, our Facebook page. And also we have a fantastic Facebook group um, of just really loyal Merrick's customers who help each other out. And that's a, that's a great place to yeah, it, it, get information. Do, we talk about tapestry and bead weaving, and that's all we do there. And people share their work. It's really it's a really great place to go if you have a question or you're looking for a teacher or, or anything. Um, what I have in my loom is the family joke. <laughs> um, I have been obsessed with painting silk that we sell on the site and, and that we use for a lot of our projects. And recently I started painting silk ribbon, which is a whole different ball game. And so I've been obsessed with, with using my hand-painted silk to do a variety of tiny, tiny, tiny things with it. And Lady says, what are you weaving now? Oh, something out of hand-painted silk. She what just she just weaves silk strips. <laughs> no, I'm, going, I'm, I'm, I'm figuring something out. No, I'm, I, I know there's a reason, and I am going to figure out something amazing. I'll share it when I do, okay? I love it. That sounds great. Uh, and I will link to your website and your social media and that Facebook group in the show notes for this episode so people can find you very easily. Um, so I saw on your website that you offer online classes for people to learn tapestry weaving. And I'm curious, how do you suggest people who are brand new to tapestry weaving dive in? Which kind of loom and which kind of materials do you recommend to people who have never done it before? Okay, so as far as um, which... Merrick's loom is best for um, a beginner. I answer this question many times a day, and my answer is anyone. Um, really, the only difference between our looms um, is size, um, except for the smallest one does not come with a shedding device. And the shedding device, for those who don't know, um, is basically it attaches to the top and bottom warp threads, and it allows you to pick up half of your warp threads at a time. So instead of going over, under, over, under when you're weaving, you can just bring your weft thread all the way through. So for tapestry, um, the shedding device is very convenient um, and can make tapestry much faster. Um, so really, you know, I ask people to think about the biggest piece that they might want to make, um, to think about how important portability is to them because our looms 12 inches and under, so our five inch, eight inch, and 12 inch looms um, can be used as lap looms, uh, which is, I love my 12 inch loom because I really like weaving on the couch. Um, I, I like a loom that fits in my lap. Um, so think about piece size, portability, um, and then whether or not uh, you wanna use a shedding device. And you can, you can buy our two smaller looms without a shedding device and add one on later, but the larger ones come with that. Um, so. As far as looms go, any size is going to be just as easy. I think it's I think it's a matter of intimidation, though. I mean, sort of like I was saying with me, I think it's a lot scarier to have a 38-inch wide loom in front of you and be like, I have to warp this. This thing is huge. Um, that's a little bit scarier than if you have an 8-inch loom in front of you. Um, but as long as you don't think about that. The process of warping and weaving is really the same no matter which size loom you have. And we also have a loom that's relatively new um, called the Easy Warp Sam Loom. Um, and that loom is kind of a very pared down Merrix loom. It was originally designed um, for, you know, with the hopes that children or, you know, people would get it to use with their kids. 
Um, the warping of it is very, very simple. It doesn't have a shedding device. It doesn't have a warping bar. You know, it's very, very, very basic. And you can actually use that method. You can warp that way on any loom. Um, but then you can add on. So if you got that loom, you know, you just wanted to use it as a solid loom with great tension. And then later on, you decided you wanted to add a shedding device or lots of other accessories, you could do that. Um, so that's another option for beginners is, is starting out um, with that. But I'm going to go to Claudia as far as um, suggestions for getting started weaving tapestry. Yeah, and people don't really need to worry so much about what loom they buy at first because they always buy more than one. <laughs> True that. Never <laughs> a problem. It's like, what do you want your third one to be? Is the question. Um, I suggest people uh, take if they're if they're visual. I mean, if they like video, um, there's a wonderful online class with Rebecca Mezoff, and um, we do an online class as well for tapestry. Uh, but buying books, I'm a book person, too. Buying lots of books and doing a sampler, and just be patient with yourself. You know, pour a nice glass of white wine or, or red wine or whatever. But um, be patient. You know, it's going to take years, not months, <laughs> to learn it. Are there any particular books you recommend? Well, uh, I, the ones we have on the site, I recommend. That's why we have them on the site. We have uh, Kirsten Glassbro. Glassbro. Uh, I always say it wrong. I love her book. And Kathy Todd Hooker, we have her Tapestry 101. And we have... Nancy Harvey's book and Carol Russell's book, which is fabulous and big and gorgeous. They're all great books. I would suggest getting all of them because everybody has a different thing that they can teach you, you know, from those books. Yeah. Any ideas? Um, yeah, those books are all great. It's um, to it's Tapestry 101 by Kathy Todd Hooker um, and Tapestry Weaving by Kirsten Glassbrook. I think those are two our two yeah. best-selling books yeah, on the website, at least. Um, and I think it, with both of those, you can really get a great, a great start. And they kind of are, they're a little bit different. Kirsten Glassbrook's book is a little more visual. Yeah, lots of um, color. Lots of pictures of Kathy's. Kathy's is more black and white, and, but she does some te techniques that you can't get from the other books, so. Yeah. So books, online classes. Rebecca's online classes are absolutely amazing. In fact, I am going to be taking her class. I've been meaning to for like a year, but someday I will get a free moment to dedicate to yeah, that. Yeah, maybe. And there's a, a link to her class. It's just a link that goes on our site that goes to her class, so you can find it that way. Yeah. Great. And I'll, I'll link out to that too. So, <coughs> excuse me. What's on the horizon for Mirix Looms in 2018? So, um, we just, we have a lot of content planned. Um, we have a lot of weave-alongs that we're talking about, um, new instructions. There are a bunch of new instructional videos we want to work on. Um, we have some new really exciting partnerships that we hopefully will be able to announce soon. Um, some new kits. New materials. New materials that we're going to be selling. Yeah, lots of fun stuff. You know, I think our... Our goal is always to provide as much instruction and inspiration as we can for our customers. Um, so we're always just trying to build on that, to come up with new ways to use the loom and new projects to do. Um, because it's fun for us, too. I mean, we love engaging. We really do. I mean, it sounds really corny, but we love engaging with our customers because we both love to weave, too. So it's been very inspiring for us. We get a lot 
custom, what our customers are doing. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of providing as much content as you possibly can and keep the ball rolling, keep everybody excited about what they're doing. I think that's what we're head cheerleaders, kind of, <laughs> right? Pom-poms and all. I like that. It sounds great. Well, it's been so nice to get to talk to you both today and to get a glimpse into your family business and the way it runs and the exciting things that people are making on your looms. Is there anything else you'd like to share with weavers out there before we finish up? Just, well, you know, don't do the housework. I was joking with Lainey. <laughs> it's only my generation where they said, oh, I wove today. I didn't get any housework done. I'm like, wait, does your generation say that? No, they don't, do they? <laughs> so, we, don't, we don't do housework. We, don't do, exactly. we, have, we have an iRobot to do it for us. <laughs> I, I think, you know, my, my biggest piece of advice, I don't know if this is what you're asking, but my biggest piece of advice uh, for weavers is to not be afraid and to try new things and to just make tons of mistakes. Like pretend you're a kid and you're just, you're just trying things because the only way, I mean, personally, the only way that, you know, if there's a new technique I'm trying to learn and I'm looking at instructions and I'm looking at a book and I'm not getting it, the way that I am ultimately successful every time is just by trying and figuring it out myself and ripping things out a million times to get to that place. Um, but I think I think a lot of people sometimes see tapestry as scary. Um, and yeah, I mean, so my advice is not to be afraid, to just jump in and screw up and it doesn't matter. And that really, it, it, I've been telling her that her whole life. She got the is lesson. Is that where I learned that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could be 95% done with a tapestry and then decide I hate it and it's ruining my life and I cut it into shreds. I oh, do this frequently. There have been so many times she's had like a gorgeous tapestry that she's worked hundreds of hours on and then she'll just cut it off and I'm like that was perfect and she's like I hated that black. <laughs> so. But it's very it's very liberating when you have a piece and I know I have I have a lot of looms. I mean I do a lot of looms. Hey I deserve them right but even if there's just one piece on one loom that's getting me angry if it's in my life I can't move forward I need to destroy it. So that's my advice is, is don't be afraid to fail, which is, that's the advice, right? Don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Well, I love it. And it's been such a pleasure to get to talk to you both. I can really hear the love that you have for each other and for your business and for your community of weavers shining through everything you do. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. That's a wrap. I had so much fun talking with these two, and I hope you also enjoyed a glimpse into their lives and their business Mirix looms. If you'd like to see photos of them and their looms, and to see all of the links that they mentioned in the show, you can see the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode hyphen number four. That's G-I-S-T-Y-A-R-N dot com. On next week's show, I'm talking to Rachel Snack the weaver behind Weaver House Co. and the creative director at Harrisville Designs. We talk about how she found her way to weaving, her experience doing an art residency with a weaving cooperative in Peru, and what it's like working for a beloved yarn mill with so many decades of history supplying yarn to the weaving and knitting communities. Tune back in to hear those stories and more. And for now, happy weaving!